Hey everybody, welcome to Tuesday Nights. Uh, my friend Noel Kassler is here, the brilliant comedian. How are you? I'm excellent, Zeb. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be back. It's great to have you back. Uh, you know what? I keep forgetting to tell people about your incredible uh, podcast, which is hilarious. Uh, you should tell people what the name of it is and, and where they can find it. Thank you very much, Zev. It's Noel Kassler Podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Podbean. And uh, it's me breaking down the week's events in a more comedic and ranty fashion than we do on shows like this. So check it out sometime. You, you do good rant. If anyone does good rant, it's you. <laughs> um, blown away this evening by the fact that now Kevin McCarthy is saying uh, he's opposing any commission to investigate mm -hmm. the January 6th uh, insurrection or coup. I think it should be called the coup attempt, at least. What do you make of that? I think it's pretty remarkable that he's the entire party is now being whipped into voting against any commission to investigate this historic event. Exactly. Oh. Further profiles and cowardice. Now, Kevin McCarthy, obviously, is the guy who got had allegedly the screaming phone call and found a backbone on the afternoon of July, January 6th you know, for a brief moment in time. But I think Kevin McCarthy knows that he would be the first one to get thrown under the bus if they did have that investigation. I think that he he obviously, he and the rest of the Republican Party were somewhat complicit in what happened in January. And I think he knows they would make him the scapegoat, that that, yeah. that he would it, would, it would lead to his demise. So he really has no choice but to come out against it. But here's a guy, he participated in what, 70 Benghazi hearings? <laughs> That's a good point. You know, you it's know, interesting that Liz Cheney know. threw him under the bus for sure on the weekend. Yeah. She was like, there's a reason he doesn't want this commission because exactly. he has to testify. And it's absolutely true that he is, we've, we have him on tape. I might play that tape later on where he's like, he was in this. He was part of the reason this all happened. The entire insurrection build up the build, the big lie was part of Kevin McCarthy's uh, project for the year. And he seemed to have done, if he was getting scored for anything, he would have gotten high scores for that. Coming up at about half past, the amazing Sandy Bacon is going to be joining us. She's done an incredible TikTok of the day, especially at the moments the Capitol was initially breached. And it's remarkable when you look at it by minute by minute, especially those, those initial moments of that breach from the outside, because it's so clear this is a military operation, or at least a military style operation. I'm not saying the military was involved necessarily, although I do believe they probably were. Now, in terms of the way it was executed, we're going to show you how within five to 10 minutes, the entire capital was breached from all sides, um, according to Sandy's timeline. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. But uh, we're counting down the top stories of the day, which means we're beginning with story number four. And we're starting tonight with Bill Gates coming undone. This is your story. I know. So tell us about it. <laughs> Well, I just think it's a remarkable story. Yeah. The, the revelations that came out in the New York Times piece on Sunday about Melinda French Gates, they're, they're being careful to use her maiden name now in, in all press reporting about her. I think it, it shows a few things. And you know, the most alarming was obviously his connection to Jeffrey Epstein, which happened after you know, he became friends with Epstein in 2011 after Epstein accepted his plea deal in Palm Beach oh, yeah. and did his sentence for sex trafficking. You know, a lot of these guys were, hey, I didn't know he was doing any of that. We go way back in business. Bill Gates can't even make that excuse. Oh, and he, he brought his, right. He knew and he lied. He lied so much about the extent of their friendship because he kept telling people that he only met him a couple of times, even denied going to the mansion. But in reality, there was, you know, there was not only mansion visits, there were plane trips all the way to, to Palm Beach and elsewhere. And he, he denies it was Epstein's uh, jet. He didn't know whose jet it was on. No, so it's, 
it's all stunning that Jeffrey Epstein was encouraging him to end the toxic marriage that he was in. Apparently he was coaching him on ending that toxic yeah. marriage. This is oh, that that building, that house. You've described it to me before, yeah. not because you've been in there, but it was right near where you lived in, in the Upper East Side there. That townhouse right. was a almost a brothel, maybe it a, was brothel, a brothel, but certainly a, a gentleman's club. It, it was a brothel. It was wow. a billionaire's brothel. It's no mistake that the Koch brothers live at 740 Park. The servants' entrance is just on the other side of Madison, down by Park Avenue. Oh, there's a lot of Howard Lutnick. All these guys live. Yeah. Howard Lutnick lived next door. Oh, it was a hangout for wealthy businessmen. And I've never been in that house. I know a woman who has been associated with Trump since she was a kid and would skate at his rink and he would hit on her and he called her his dirty uncle and stuff, who fell into that world, who worked in that escort world and had been in his house many times. And all, and I don't even go there with her because I don't even want to hear the stories. But what she would say to me was like, you do not want to imagine the things that those guys did to women in that house. Oh, you don't even want to. Right. So there's no way Gates didn't know about it, Bill. And he brought his wife there for dinner. And that was apparently, according to the New York Times article, one of their big falling out was after she brought he brought her to dinner with Jeffrey Epstein. And afterwards, Melinda Gates was like, that guy's a creep. Like, th there's no way we're hanging out with that guy again. And, and Bill Gates continued to hang out with him. And back to your earlier point, like he's trying to claim, I didn't know like whose jet it was. There is no way a guy like Bill Gates gets on somebody's private plane without knowing exactly who it belongs to. If not for him, for the amount of security you have to have being at that level. Can I say, I was at Paul, uh, Paul Allen's house once. Paul Allen was a big music fan and he would invite rock stars over to his house to jam with him. And he had as a museum or had a museum in Seattle. So he did this big benefit concert and he flew up Crosby, Stills and Nash and like Belinda Carlisle and all these artists. And we got to hang out at his house Fun. and he had like this great, yeah, it was awesome. He had this great recording studio and he had a party and stuff. And at one point in the evening, I was like, I'm going to wander around a little bit. Now I'm going to go see the main house. So I wander out of the studio area and I see this glassed in room with all these like fancy cars, like behind glass with spotlights on them, like Bucatis and Ferraris, <laughs> Bugattis, all these like super fancy cars. Like, a, And I'm like, wow. And I go to myself, I said, it's amazing a guy's this rich and he doesn't have any security around. And I take another step towards that building and a dude came out of the bushes. <laughs> like he had, he had such a level of security that they were just behind the bushes. He had like Mossad agents like that's, on the well, ready. Yeah. That's an interesting point, the Mossad agent thing. But we should take a look here at this photograph. This is inside the mansion. This is, I, this look, it looks like a respectable group of people. They're not looking anything bad at all there. Of course, uh, this guy they're from, I think uh, JP Morgan, is that correct? I can't even see correctly, but Larry Summers, the former treasury secretary there, there's M Epstein in the middle, then Bill Gates. And then there's this dude on the, uh, on the very right end of the picture, which is a critical person when it comes to the Gates-Epstein relationship. And there are two people that are very important to the Gates-Epstein relationship. We'll get to them in a second. But now, what do you make of this picture first? You've got uh, a bunch of guys hanging out. It doesn't look like it's that salacious or complicated. Yeah, well, you're, you're seeing the picture in the foyer. Well, that's where they pose for the picture when they come in the door. Oh, you're not seeing the picture upstairs in the room. You're not seeing the picture of Bill Clinton dressed as a woman. Oh, right. the big oil painting that hung on the wall. You're not seeing all the nudes that Epstein kept and collected of pre, you know, pubescent girls, of teenage girls everywhere. So the the massage room. So 
what I see in that picture is what Epstein was a master at, which was getting very powerful men around him, making sure there was a picture taken while he was in their presence, because that becomes currency in that world. I got a picture of you standing in my hallway. Okay. Right. So you don't and, even have to use that. You don't even have to say it. People know that they remember they took that picture. So then right. they're stuck. They're compromised just from the very start because they took that picture. So you know, once this, the rumors start coming out about what you're really doing, it doesn't right. matter whether you did or didn't do anything in there. Your photo is there already, and he has it. Yes, and that what happened in that townhouse was no secret. And that block itself has a long history of that. It was poker rooms and brothels. That East 71st between 5th and Madison has long been a, a playground. Yeah. of sorts for for uber wealthy guys to go and do that sort of thing and you know i've talked about it before i won't go into it but just next door in may of of 19 howard lutnick had that big fundraiser mm -hmm. right right before right. epstein got busted they had a big fundraiser for trump they raised 35 million dollars there was like 30 guys there it was steve Wynn. it was rudy giuliani you know, it was everybody who probably partied at epstein right before epstein got popped and they called him back together and said hey He's not up. in the clear, right, <laughs> pay up and we'll make sure Barr takes care of this because we all know we've been next door. We all know what we did and we all know we want anybody hearing about it. Yeah, side note on the way uh, into the show, I saw that Andrew Giuliani is, is now running for governor of New York. So that'll be interesting to watch. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, Rudy's son. But let's get back to this yeah. interesting guy. So there are two people in between Jeffrey and Bill Gates that were you know, facilitated that relationship. One of them was Melanie Walker, a neuro neurologist. Originally, she was a model, apparently. She met Jeffrey Epstein at a young age. She promised he'd make her a Victoria's Secret model. I don't think that ever happened, but he stayed in, her, in his orbit for a long time before she joined the Gates Foundation. That's where she met two people inside the Gates Foundation. One was Boris Nikolic, who is a Croatian with a, was the science advisor to Bill Gates and a very, very important guy because ultimately he ran a bunch of funds to uh, involved in the gene industry. And so they funded a lot of gene splitting and that kind of stuff, which was a big interest to Jeffrey Epstein. She also met her future husband, who was Stephen Sanofsky, who was in charge of Windows, in charge of Outlook, in charge of all of those things. And she also met Prince Andrew. I was desperately trying to avoid a royal reference tonight, but I couldn't do it because there is Melanie Walker and, yeah, and yeah. Prince Andrew dating each other for a long period of time. In fact, Jelaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein went on a couple of double dates at Windsor Castle with Melanie Walker and Prince Andrew. So it, they all know each wow. other, that's for sure. This is not just a, oh, I met him a couple of times. What's interesting to me is people forget that Jeffrey Epstein was primarily a spy. Now, yes, he was doing all these other things, but he was a military intelligence spy, an asset for the Israelis. And he also worked for, we believe, through an intermediary to with MI6. So think about that. I've got, he's got people inside the most powerful computer company in America. He's got people inside right near the very top of that company, right next to Bill Gates, who have capacity to access Windows and Outlook. And if you remember back then, those were big deals. People still use them, of course, now. But back then, it that was, was the only game in town. Plus, he had all this money flowing through Boris Nikolic into these uh, funds, which presumably we're going to find out sooner or later, were funding all sorts of who-know-what schemes. I think what might be going on here is there's a lot more shady business to be discovered between Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein and around this whole arrangement with all these people in Windows. Is it possible that there was a spy cell inside the Windows company? 
it wouldn't surprise one. It's, it's not it's not unthinkable. It certainly looks like if Melanie Walker, if she's not only a neurologist, maybe she's also like uh, Jeffrey Epstein, an asset of another country. Maybe she was uh, she was spying. It's quite possible. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of intrigue built into this. And it made me rethink the whole divorce. It made me think right. maybe they're not divorcing because they've just had it with each other and they're, she's tired of his womanizing because she knew about this. She knew he was a bit of a philanderer. For, you know, she even had a clause in her in her marriage agreement that allowed him one dirty weekend a year with an ex-girlfriend. And if you're going to allow <laughs> really? that, we're accepting of the fact that, you're gonna, yeah. he's, that he's got a, a wandering eye. So then maybe they're divorcing not so much to divorce, but just to protect the assets because she gets half of it. At least they can keep half of that. What if Bill gets into real trouble with, with all this other stuff that we're learning? It certainly seems like the board was unhappy with him, with, with his uh, philandering. Now we're learning that there's all these different connections to, to various people associated with, with Epstein and Andrew. That doesn't begin to look a little, doesn't look so good. Absolutely. And there's also, it's, a, it's an interesting point you raise, Zeb, because it would be a way to protect at least part of the fortune, at least half of it. And, and their sort of capital management, or their wealth management fund was run by a guy who's also drawn into this scandal, who was apparently sexually harassing an employee at a bike store, which was oh. one of their holdings in Seattle. That was in the Times piece on Sunday, that the guy who's there in charge of their main fund, like $114 billion or $17 wow. billion or whatever, that they invest all throughout the country in properties and hotels the guy who's been having who's done that gig for 20 years was apparently a real creep and sexually harassing an employee and apparently melinda took umbrage to that because they they ultimately exonerated the guy and bill mm. took his took his side but you make a valid point it could be a way to protect the the, the enormous wealth and assets of of the gates and and they they would know if a lot was, of that they would if, know if, <laughs> right if, if it's going down they, they would have they it would know they gotta hide some of it exactly. it's really interesting i'll just say one other thing quickly about boris Nikolic. he 48 hours before jeffrey epstein died i believe he rewrote his will and boris Nikolic was the guy he said would be the backup executor of that of that will so that's really unusual thing to do anyhow you're in jail You've been arrested. Oh, you might have an inkling you might be dying the next few days. So you rewrite your will and you include this guy, Boris Nikolic, who's a good friend of yours and Bill Gates, without telling him apparently. Because Boris Nikolic says he only found out after the death that he was the backup executor. And we know there's like $600 million in that estate. He chose not to execute it. But obviously Epstein must have trusted him enough to do that. I mean, you wouldn't just hand over the keys to $600 million unless you were comfortable that the person you're handing over the keys to knew all the shady stuff that was involved in that in that 600 million because there was a lot of shady stuff involved in it absolutely and nobody really still knows how epstein made his money now, here's a guy who did two semesters at cooper union went to work at, at at dalton for for bill barr's father then went to work for ace greenberg and then all of a sudden everybody's like les wexner and all these guys are, are giving him their money yeah. and letting Beyond him black. you know Right. Leon Black, perfect example, who comes up again in this Times piece. And Bill Gates. What is Bill Gates taking advice from Jeffrey Epstein for? Like, Bill Gates is supposed to be one of the great geniuses of our time. He doesn't have his own accountants. Yeah. He doesn't have his own people, even in the marriage advice. You're taking advice from a guy who's already done you know, a prison sentence in Palm Beach for prostituting teenage girls. Exactly. That's who you're going to ask. About and there was never anyone really any in, inside he, the Jeffrey Epstein organization that was actually doing the work. I mean, there was a few people there, but they weren't operating like a typical financial firm. 
They were just managing was, money, but not in a typical way. And we do know, we do know yeah. that there is a lot of money that was made off uh, arms trades. And I have a very good idea of how the rest of the money was made, but that I'm going to reveal at a later stage in, in, in a narrative's uh, future. But there is a, a roadmap there, which is quite clear about how the money was made and spent. And maybe one day soon, I'll get to tell it. Now, should we say anything about Bill Gates? Anything else you want to say about this uh, Bill Gates and Melinda Gates, Jeffrey Epstein well, scandal? Well, seeing, and I'll let it go till the later episode, but seeing how like Bill Gates is caught up in this thing too, makes it so much more insane that Bill, that Epstein died in prison. Now, the right. amount of secrets that Epstein would have had on, on things that would be seismic, mm. you know, the revelations would have been seismic if he could have come out against somebody like Bill Gates, let alone Donald Trump, which everyone assumes is why he was, you know, murdered by Bill Barr, which at least I think would happen. Like, well, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily Bill Barr, but it certainly may have been allowed by Bill Barr. And it may have been. Right, exactly. Know, I don't, and, and you know, from, who and knows? I'm not, right, and I'm, I'm not even talking about the physical way the guy died. Yeah. I'm trying to make the point like that guy's got to die. <laughs> like he's in custody. Oh no, it's not just Trump he has secrets on. No, it's Prince Andrew, it's Bill Gates. Oh, every, it's half everybody. of the, exactly, the financial titans of the world. Like he had to go. It's a miracle Ghislaine Maxwell is, is still breathing. It is actually a miracle. Honest. But you know, it's really interesting. You make such a good point there because what Epstein did was he worked his way into all these core inner circles of the most important people in America. This was not a, by accident that he became friends with, with Bill Gates or by accident that he became friends with Bill Clinton. He worked his way up there and so and to Trump. So this, is, this was his mission. This was his goal. They were coming to America to you know, entrap and get compromise on American business leaders and, uh, and political leaders so they could control them. Now, we don't know to what extent they needed to control them and why, but you know, it appears that they got very close to everybody. What did they do? Who knows? Because there's not a, there's not really an account of blackmail. We haven't, I haven't yet seen anyone say, "Hey, he blackmailed me." But who knows? It may not be the blackmail in your typical fashion. Is I've got something dirty on you. Maybe it's just blackmail, financial kind of blackmail, or hey, we'll pay for this. We'll do something for that. Don't let don't, don't let a friend down. Well, it's no coincidence that the Russian consulate. Is is up on 91st street too between the same two blocks you know which was known as the spy consulate where somebody died the night of the election in 2016. like if you were collecting compromise on people in jeffrey epstein's mansion there would be no better neighborhood to hand off that compromise you know in the middle of the night on fifth avenue when you go sit on a park bench and another spy sits next to you and then walks back to the russian oh, consulate i know that sounds crazy <laughs> but because no, here's doesn't. why i live in that i live in that neighborhood and in the weeks after Epstein was murdered, the only news crew that was outside of his townhouse was RT, was Russian News, whatever it's called, RTN or whatever. The guy was standing there for weeks reporting in front of the townhouse, waiting for his live hit. And I'm like, why are the Russians so interested in Epstein's townhouse? Nobody else was there. The Russians were there every day for weeks. Noel, you are the king. You know why you're the king? You're the king of segues, because here we are talking about Russia. It's story number three in our countdown. Tonight's show is brought to you by Helix Sleep, and they have a special offer for narrative viewers. I've heard it from so many people. The one thing that's changed since January is their sleep. Not waking up worrying about what the president might have done or said or tweeted makes the world of a difference. 
I don't think I had a good solid night's sleep in four years. And it wasn't only the president. My 10-year-old mattress, which started life as a 12-inch foam mattress, had shrunk to an 8-inch mattress. And getting out of bed was often more of a slide than a bounce. It was time for a new mattress. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? Changing the course of a country can take a village. Changing the course of your sleep takes a quiz. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash narrative. That's the way we spell narrative, N-A-R-A-T-I-V. That's helixsleep.com slash narrative for up to $200 off and two free pillows just for you. Um, this is really interesting. It's gonna, this gets a little, this is my putting my, my foreign strategy hat on. So I apologize to people if I'm gonna bore you a little bit. Uh, there's a conference going on, which is arguably the most important conference in the world right now. It's the Arctic Conference. It's basically all the countries that have any say around the Arctic, all meeting together. I think it's in Reykjavik. And what they're doing is they're two things. They're handing over the chairmanship from the Chinese to the Russians, which is significant. I don't know why China is really an Arctic nation, but apparently they are. They don't really touch the Arctic, but the Russia does. And if everyone's been watching me for a while, you'll know that I've argued for a long time that what we're really seeing is a long-term play to take over the Arctic and a battle for the Arctic. And so Lavrov, the foreign minister for Russia, arrives today and he basically right off the front says, you know, this is our land, our waters. The Arctic is our land and our waters. And it's basically a warning shot to America to stay away, for NATO to stay away. The only piece of this uh, Arctic that really touches America is Alaska, of course. And there's a lot of thoughts that certainly Lavrov has said in the past, and he may have even said so today, that he, they believe Alaska still belongs to Russia and that they believe that they have some claim over Russia. So that's an interesting and complicated thing to, to, to digest. Now, why is it so important? You have to go back and look at what's going on externally. And I'm gonna do that by taking you through to what Russia does elsewhere. This is Russia and Ukraine. You remember they've taken over parts of eastern Ukraine with these two really big army regiments over there, making it very hard for people to, to possibly evict them from where they are. So they're looking to take over the entire Ukraine, but they're doing it in a very selective way. And this next slide, I'm going to just show in the big screen here because it shows you really what their strategy is. So it's really hard to read, but I can take you around a little bit here. So you've seen the two parts of the eastern side of Ukraine that they've taken over. That's a significant batch uh, of Ukraine and, that they've done. Now, on the very far left, you can't really see it or read it there. Maybe you can. It says Transnistria, Transnistria, which is a part of Moldova. Also, the Russians control that little piece. And the, the part in yellow near the top, that's Belarus, also really controlled by the Russians, even though they pretend to be independent. They're not really. Uh, the Donbass is, is part of uh, that eastern chunk of Ukraine that I already told you about. But this dark gray section over here, that dark gray section of, is at the very bottom where you see these two red little dots. That's Abkhazia and South Ossetia, two places again. This, this is Georgian territory where the Russians are really in control there. And then it's really interesting what this slide says, and I'll put this back on screen here so you can uh, there we go. So it says, this is what Russia goes after. This is from the Estonian uh, Foreign Spy Service, essentially, the intelligence service. It says, what Russia is interested in is controlled instability. It is in Russia's interest to keep its neighboring region in a state of fragile balance. Therefore, Russia wants to see the following features in its neighboring countries and seeks to maintain or help instigate these. Limited development of the rule of law, absence of free elections, 
repressed civil society, limited relations for, with the West, territorial conflict with Russia as the kingpin, and then Russian troop presence in the form of military base or otherwise. So now it's fascinating stuff. And also today, Biden lift the lifted the sanctions on the, the, business, the Russian businessman who was building the pipeline, I believe, to Germany, a part oh, of the did. Ukrainian sank. Yeah, he, he lifted the Novo. I can't I can't pronounce it. I don't speak oh, Russian, but the Novo guy or whatever. Right. And so so that's is that going know, ahead? I wonder if it's still going ahead. Because Germany and Russia are very, very close to each other. It sounds like if the sanctions are being lifted, they, they really are. I can't find the slide I was looking for, but I'll basically explain it to you. So you've got Russia. This is Russia on the white. So the white side here is Russia. America's in that Alaska section in the gray there. The rest is Canada. They have built a ton of military bases all along this little green line over here, including all these little islands, these tiny little islands you see here. One is 300 miles away from the Alaskan coast. It has a full capacity to land planes. It's got massive radars built in it. They've got so many new forces along the edge here that it's incredible what they've done. And it makes me wonder whether they're playing out there's the same strategy that they're doing in Eastern Europe and their neighboring countries whether they're going to do it to their north, which is really us, and they're going to start playing around with Alaskan independence and whether Alaska should really belong to them, maybe even breach Alaska. And suddenly we'll be at the tipping point of a war. We won't necessarily go into one, but it'll create enough, what do they call it, uh, fragile imbalance Chaos, or, right. or controlled instability to really keep America anchored down for a period of time. So that to me made me think that you know, the Arctic conference that's going on right now just started today. Pay attention to it because it might have really important implications down the line, especially for Alaska. No one thinks about Alaska that much, which we should, of course, because it's a beautiful, beautiful state, but it's ours. And they don't think it's ours. They want it back. So that might be happening in the near future, worth, worth keeping an eye on, not necessarily the most Absolutely. happy news, but, but there you go. On the upside, I did find out that, that Putin is incredibly unpopular right now in, in, in Russia, that he's, his uh, election, I'm sorry, his polling, his national polling is, is, is down around the 30% mark. And I was glad to hear that. I was glad to hear that. Yeah, well, you're not the polling guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> you might that. find a window. <laughs> exactly. Polling guy Here's meet window. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite possible. Hey, Noel, we have to take a break. On the other side, we are going to talk to the amazing Sandy Bacon, and we're going to analyze what happened on January the 6th by minute by minute. It's going to be a fascinating conversation.